With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For one more beer for me, exile means quality, so savagely. Hey, Tim Podcast. I'm John Miller along with Steve Dace. Uh, Going to talk Iowa against Mississippi State in the Outback Bowl here in a little bit. But first, let's do a little house cleaning. Steve, back in the summertime, you and I decided we'd do our annual win total predictions over unders. And um, let's, go through, let, let's go through these and see how we did. We'll start in the ACC. Are you, are you getting any feedback? I am not, no. Okay. Are you getting it? Um, I'm not anymore. Maybe it was how you were holding your phone. Okay, I just brought it closer to me. So okay, okay. thank you. Sorry, Clemson. Okay, Clemson. Their over under number was eleven, which meant basically they had to run the table for the over to hit. You picked the over. I took the under. The over hit. You nailed that one. Miami. Their over under number was ten. Ten. For the Hurricanes, they had a big time failure. Both of us took the under. That was my. Uh, we did two best bets per conference this year. That was my best bet, so we both hit on that. Uh, Notre Dame nine and a half. We both took the under. Both missed on that one. Virginia Tech eight and a half. We both took the under. We both hit on that one. Florida State seven and a half was the number. We both took the over. That was one of your two ACC best bets. Florida State did not make it. Steve, Florida State, is there any excuse for them to be as bad as they were this year? No, and it really goes back to even last year. Remember, they were preseason number three heading into last season. And they had that game against Alabama to open the year. And, I mean, there were a lot of people that picked them to win that game. And... They have just been a free in a in a in a free for all, and you have a situation this year where you have Willie Taggart, the new coach, calling out players for quitting against Clemson, which is never a good sign. Um, so, no, I mean I, I think they're kind of at an existential crossroads. You mentioned Miami, and and for people wondering, we're going to wait and do a deep dive on recruiting after the February signing day when all the classes are assembled so we can put a, we can put them in better context plus if we wait until then we will have we'll know who all the players are that are leaving early for the draft so we'll be able to even put the recruiting classes in better context but the reason I bring that up here is someone did a study of Miami's decommitments in this class their decommitments would be a would be a top thirty recruiting class. Oh my gosh! 
I've never seen anything like that. What do you, okay. what do you so, think that is, Rick? Well, for, for Florida State, I just think Jimbo Fisher went stale, and then they had a coaching change. At Miami, I don't know what's – you know, I don't know enough – I don't cover that team closely enough to know the answer to that. But uh, needless to say, for those that are wondering, no, that's not good. Is there a common um, landing place for these guys, or are they just kind of scattered? They scattered all over the place. And the only reason I know about this is – we just took Michigan just took one of their commitments away last weekend. Uh, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, all four-star linebacker. And when I saw we flipped them, I then saw this graphic that Miami's decommitments in this class would be a top 30 recruiting class. Florida State has had one of the best quarterbacks in this class, Sam Howell. They've had him committed for like six months, and he's going to flip to Mac Brown in North Carolina. Uh, on signing day. That's crazy. And so I think, so, you know, they've got some, both of those schools. Now, there is one common denominator between both of them, and that is there's a lot of talk down there about they need offensive coordinators. Florida State has not hired one yet. Miami, uh, you know, Mark Richt has his son doing the job. And if you recall, when Rick was at Georgia, that's what got him in trouble as well, okay, uh, was the, was people thought his offensive approach was antiquated. So there's one common denominator between the two schools there. Has Florida, the Florida Gators, have they run into anything like this? No, they've got Dan Mullen there now. They're in good shape. They're reading. No, I, 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 just, I just didn't know if, if it was a uh, get-out-of-Florida movement or what. So, all right, uh, moving on, Louisville under seven. I went over. You went under. That's just horrible. Uh, the, there's a theme warning with my picks. Horrible is the uh, theme. Uh, Duke, Duke uh, under six and a half, or six and a half was a number we both took under, and we both missed on that. I think we can go back up here. Duke went seven and five, start. I believe. Seven and five, and and you missed on that. And early, early yep. this year in the podcast, I'm sure you'll remember saying this. You have a very good read on Duke, and and I'm disappointed in you, frankly. Do you remember saying yep. that? I do, yeah. Yeah, Syracuse. Yep. I, I'm not going to let you forget it. Syracuse under six, another one of your best bets from the ACC. I took under as well. They went over. They were one of the uh, best performing teams against their win total this year. I thought played inspired ball. So you were over two on um, best bets in the ACC. Boston College five and a half. We both took the over. We both hit Georgia Tech uh, five and a half. We both took the over on Georgia Tech, and that hit. That was also uh, my, my be- best bet. So I went two and zero on best bets in that conference. Pittsburgh over five and a half. We both did that. North Carolina um, was number five. Five was the number. You took the under. You hit it. I took the over and missed it. And five was the number. Virginia. Virginia. We both went under. Um, we both missed that. So for the ACC, out of 14 teams, you went 9-5 and five and 0 for 2 on your best bets. And I went 5-9 and nine. Mm. and 2-0 and oh on my best bets. Even going 2-0 and oh on my best bets, that is a clear win for Dace and the ACC. On to the Big 12. Um, 10 was the number for Oklahoma. We both went under, both missed. Texas, 8.5 was the number. I went under, you went over, you hit. Oklahoma State, 
was eight. We both went under on Oklahoma State, and we both hit. They went six and six. TCU, seven and a half. We both went over one of my best bets. That is a miss for both of us. West Virginia, the number was seven. We both went over one of your best bets. We both hit. Um, Iowa State, six and a half. We both went over. Both hit on that. Baylor, six. We both took the under, and that was a push. Kansas State was six. We both took the over. That did not uh, work out in our favor. Texas Tech, six was the number. I went over a second best bet. You went under your second best bet. You were right, so you went 2-0 and in your best bets in this league. I went 0-2. And Kansas, three was the number. We both took under. We both missed. So in the Big 12 with 10 teams, you went 5-5, five and five, and I went 3-7. and seven. And you hit on both of your best bets. That was pretty good. Any any thoughts there? No. Um, uh, I, I the thing with that. I the thing with Iowa State obviously was a concern with the, with the schedule issue at the beginning of the year. But um, that league, you know, I thought that league had the tightest over unders of all the leagues, meaning that I thought Vegas had the best overall read. Like you pointed out, Baylor as a push, for example. TCU did go under six and a half, but they got to six. So, you know, uh, T- Texas Tech went under six, but they were but they had five wins. So they, Vegas, you know, Kansas State went under six, but they had five wins. Vegas, that, that was a tough league. Uh, so I'm not surprised I was more more of, of, at 500 in that conference because I thought Vegas had a better read on that league than then said they did the ACC. You know, I don't know if you do this in your day job or not, but one of my favorite little idiosyncrasies you've done through the years is when I say, hey, do you have any thoughts on that? Invariably, you'll say no, and then you'll talk for five minutes. <laughs> did you even realize, realize it? I did that. Oh, my no, gosh, you do it all the time. I'm going to be really subconscious about that now. <laughs> and, you know, you just no. remind me my very first program director, Johnny Wright. Yeah, I remember. Said, Johnny. "Hey, came into my office one day. Said, hey, let me ask you something.' I said, okay. 'Oh gosh.' And then, yeah. and then he kept saying, "Let me ask you something.' And I'm like, "Why do you keep bringing that same?" He goes, "Because you every time you interview somebody, every question you ask, you start with, let me ask you this.' And I went mm. and looked back and listened, and I'm like, he's right." And so that's almost 20 years ago now, and I am still self-conscious about it. Mm-hmm. So now that you said that, I had no idea I had that verbal crutch. Oh, I'm boy. totally going to be hung up on that now. Thank you. So I want you to elaborate, but just say, yeah, I do. Or, or maybe I can do a better job setting up than say, do you have any thoughts? But it's, I, I would have thought you knew that. I'm, I'm glad that I was the one to break that to you. I we did not know. No, we, I didn't we, know about that. No. Well, I'd be, I'd be curious to know if you do it in your day job, actually. Um, Pac, well, you don't probably get interviewed as much uh, on that as you do for this, though. Pac-12, boy, what a mess of a conference. Washington's number was 10.5. Uh, you took the under, and they went under. I took the over. Oregon, 8.5. You went over, I went under, I hit that. USC, 8.5. We both went over and missed. Stanford was eight. We both went over and missed. I think they won eight. They went eight and four, right? Yes. Uh, yep. Uh, Arizona was seven and a half. I took the under. You went over. I won that. Utah was seven. We both went over and hit. Washington State, 
Their number was six and a half, and we both took the under. That is a miss. Cal, five and a half. You went over, I went under, you hit. Arizona State, we both went under. That was one of our best bets. And I think they, what, did they push on that, or they could do one better? What was their total? Five. Uh, five. On Arizona State? Arizona State was five. Yeah, they went over. They went seven and five. Okay, seven and five. And that was that was two of our best bets because we were still in awe of the higher. Uh, UCLA, their number was five. We both went over. And so both of our bets, and that was both of our best second best bets. So we missed on the both best bets. Uh, Colorado, four was their number. We both took the over and hit. And then Oregon State, two and a half. We both went over. We both went over on Oregon State and at two and a half, and we lost. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> um, so you went, four, you went four and eight in the Pac-12, and I went four wow. and eight in the Pac-12. Do you have any thoughts, Steve? Um, yes, I do. I think... <laughs> You know, the rest of my life, I'm never doing that again, right? You know, I'm going to be like all over that. You'll be better Um, for it. There's no bigger fan of the Hawkeyes than the staff at Iowa's premier dish retailer, Big Dog Satellite and Solar. If you can't watch live, there's no better way to record every game than the hopper from Dish. Search or call Big Dog today and ask for the Hawkeye Tailgater special. My, My thoughts are sometimes you're wrong because you're not as good other times you're wrong because this because what you're called to analyze is so (laughs) is what what was that i'm sorry it it, it isn't good (laughs) yes so the big in this case it's that one this league has become such a dumpster fire that i mean look at and, and how here's how i would here's how i'd reinforce my assertion that we both took the under on the team that was the overwhelming preseason favorite and, and ended up winning the conference. Okay. We both took under their win total and covered. Okay. By a game and a half, which goes to show you that that league is not good, or at least it was, it's as bad as it's maybe ever been this year. And, And when you have a lot of bad going against a lot of bad, that gets those are tough calls to make, man. And I think that's where I don't think the lot like I said in the Big Twelve, we just weren't good enough because they did a really good job setting a lot of those lines. In this league, everybody was wrong on everything because it was terrible uh, comp- comprehensively. Yeah, very bad. SEC, uh, Bama eleven. We both went over, hit it. Georgia ten and a half. You went under. I went over. You hit. Auburn number was nine. We both went over, and we both uh, missed out on that one. Auburn uh, went seven, seven and five. five. Mississippi State eight and a half was the number. We both took the under. They went eight and four, so we hit. Florida seven and a half over. That was one of my best bets. That hit. Missouri seven and a half. We both took the under. They went eight and four, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a good job. Yeah. Um, LSU seven. We both took the over. We both hit LSU's number was seven. Uh, they went nine and three. South Carolina 
Seven was the number. Over was one of your best bets. I also took the over. We both missed. A&M, seven. Both took the over. We both hit. Arkansas, six. We both took the under. We both hit. They went two and ten. And I don't know, Steve. I heard this tonight on um, – I was driving back from Branson today. And I think it was Dockerman that said they didn't play a Power 5 team in their non-conference schedule. Correct. And they, and they have a four-game non-conference schedule. And their over-under was six. And they went two and ten. That's Correct. An, that is an abyss. Uh, Old Miss. Wasn't, weren't they one of my best bets? I thought they were. Um, yes, it was actually each of us had an under best bet there. Okay. Uh, number was six for Old Miss. We both took the under, correct? Five and a half for Kentucky. You took the over. I took the under. You hit Tennessee. Five and a half. I went over. You went under. You hit Vanderbilt. Four. You went over. I went under. And you hit. So for the SEC, you went 11 and three. I usually have a really good read on this league. Yeah. Most, most years we do this, I usually dominate in this conference. Well, you you done dominated. I went seven and seven, uh, getting both my best bets. So you went eleven and three and split your best bets. That's really good. That's now, now your... why why can I why do I typically dominate in this league? Um, well, I, I I've never denied it's the best league. I just don't think it's like the United Federation of Planets and everybody else is is a is is not even class m yeah you know their their hype machine is so over the top that you know essentially everybody else is primordial ooze but it's it's much and maybe different the way i analyze things it could just be the way i analyze things but the way i analyze things when everybody's good i'm better than when everybody's bad and i think the reason is is because when bad meets bad there's more blind luck there's more variables. And you know me, I like my absolutes. I like cut and dried. And in, in, in this league, it's often good on good. And so there's the, the variance isn't as wide. Big Ten, last of our conferences, Ohio State, 10 and a half. Um, we both took the under and we both lost that one. I forgot to fill that one in. Uh, Wisconsin, 10 was the number. I went over, you went under, you hit. Their number was ten, and they went seven and five. Penn that was State, the biggest over under win total Wisconsin's ever had. Yeah, ever. Yeah. Penn State nine and a half under was both of our picks, one of my best bets, and I hit on that. Michigan number was nine. We both went over and hit. Michigan State under was not or nine rather was the number. We both went under and hit. Iowa seven and a half. We both went over. It was one of my two best bets and hit. Minnesota under six. Our Minnesota six, we both went under. That was one of your best bets. It was a push. Nebraska number was six. I went under. You went over. I hit that. Northwestern six. You went under. I went over. Hit that. Purdue six. We both took the under. It's a push. Indiana five. You went under. I went over. It was a push. Maryland four and a half. One of your best bets. We both went over. Both hit. Rutgers four. We both went under. We both hit. And Illinois, three and a half. We both took the under and missed that one barely. Uh, you went seven and seven, and I went eight and six, hitting on both my over-unders. Typically, the Big Ten is probably what I do the best in because I'm very colloquial, uh, almost to exclusively. So, You mean any- parochial, not colloquial. Well, you know, I actually meant to say colloquial, 
Because whenever, you know, like my dad, he's from northwest Missouri, and he says things like it's raining harder than a cow peeing on a flat, uh, a flat rock. Those are colloquialisms, right? They're they're they're, yes. they're saying germane to an area. So I thought colloquial would have been a very applicable thing to say. <laughs> nice. Did you see? Did I count three pushes in that league? Three. Three. Those pushes. are some tight lines, brother. Those are some tight lines. Minnesota, wow. Purdue, and Indiana. Um, three pushes. That's why you got to be really good at this. These guys, they're getting better. They're getting smarter. So we we included Notre Dame. So that what sixty five. We didn't do BYU. So what sixty four, sixty five power. There's sixty four. Okay. Count Notre Dame. Yep. So you had thirty six wins. Um. So that's what thirty six and twenty eight. That be right? Yeah. Yes. Thirty six and twenty eight. I went twenty seven and whatever that other number is. That's horrible. I had 27 wins. That's horrible. So my my win percentage is at 56, which is 562, which Danny Sheridan, the maybe the greatest handicapper that ever lived, would tell you. That's how he spent. That's how he spent his family, is hitting 56 percent over the course of his career. So this 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 continues the year of Steve. Who has been minted a sharp by offshore books? Congratulations, Steve. Hope you made a lot of money this year gambling. I made a lot of money for, uh, first of all, it's sports investing. Uh, <laughs> that's that's and, right. And uh, I did make a good deal of money for some other people this year. That is. Yeah, that is true. Yes. You know, it, it's going to be a matter of time. Maybe not in Oklahoma, but certainly in Iowa, it'll be a matter of time before betting on sports is probably legal most everywhere. And if it were legal here, and there was a casino across the street from me, I really don't know that I'd get. I really don't know that I'd get down. I just, I'm just not interested in that. I, I enjoy doing this, but when it comes to putting my own money down, I just don't know that I'm interested in that. Well, I think it comes down to this is going to be uh, – I and, and we should do a podcast on this in the offseason when we have more time because I, I believe this is, the, this is going to be the boom industry of our lifetimes. Um, I think it's the next Amazon, the next Google.com industry because you're going to marry those technological marvels with – fantasy sports you're going to put them together because what you're going to find like there's a report that came out today from the tennessee attorney general and the tennessee attorney general was asked to do a feasibility study on sports gambling in the state and his view on it was that um it's a different model than slot machines and things of that nature because it's much more of a game of skill Mm-hmm. And I think what you're going to find is these states, you know, the reason why Iowa got when, when I owned Cyclonation and the gal that was the marketing director at Prairie Meadows was an Iowa State grad. And her dad was Ed Skinner and a real powerful member of the Iowa Democratic Party and a huge sports fan. And that's how I got to know her dad. And I got to know Jerry Crawford and how they so, advertise yeah. in the back of your magazine and never mind. Yeah. yeah. I actually had uh, – I've got friends who are Democrats thanks to sports. Not a lot, but a few. Uh, and uh, 
when when she wanted to run an ad in, in, in Cyclonation to help, you know, essentially because I, I've got to hire Bill Seals. I'm making thirty five thousand dollars a year at KXNO and I'm a single income home. So my wife can stay home with Anna. And because um, we tried putting her back to work because she's the one that has all the degrees. She could actually make a lot better money back then. We tried putting her back to work and it lasted for a few months and it just crushed her leaving Anna during, at a daycare. So she's like, I don't care how poor we are. I got to be at home. So that's why we did it, that, did it that way. So Jim Heckman calls me up one day on your recommendation and offers me this franchise, which would be pretty lucrative for a side job. Time out, time out, time out, time out. For all you folks who think that Dace got me everything I have. Oh, God. There's my one. <laughs> now, that's a pro move right there. I like that. I can respect that. All right. So, Heckman, uh, you called up so, Heckman, yeah. yeah and, and this would actually be pretty lucrative, but I got a problem now, which is, you know, I've got to do a daytime sports show full time. And so I, I can't be up at Iowa state practice every day and everything else, you know? So I got to hire a writer. Oh, and, um, that means I got to pay him money. So I got to hire bill seals and, you know, he wants to make 25, 30 grand a year. Uh, and I'm only making 35. So, uh, that money's got to come from somewhere. So I used to hate asking people for money and thanks to Cyclonation, and now in the line of work, I, I've been in meetings where I've asked people for millions of dollars before. So I'll ask anybody for anything now. I don't care. But I, this was a real big stressor to me in 2002. So I had to find some advertisers. But I had to also do it in a way that uh, didn't interfere with the radio show because I don't want to become Marty Terrell, right, where I'm shaking down clients and that aren't mine and stealing them and that whole scam and game that you never get out of once you go down that road. So – um, I've got very limited opportunities to use my relationships as a sports media guy to to create advertising revenue that doesn't interfere or or cause problems for the radio station. If you know what I'm saying, right? Got to be yeah. independent of that. And so Prairie Meadows was one of them um, because. And, but I said to the gal who was their marketing director, I'm not putting slot machine ads in my publication. Now you have now they were bringing horse racing. They were really investing in it. And I and one of the last gigs I had at the Des Moines Register before I left there to go into radio is um, I partnered with Dan Johnson covering the horse races at Prairie Meadows. You know, so I was very familiar with the paramutual, uh, you know, side of the business. So I said, hey, if you guys want to run ads promoting horse racing, um, and I was already doing this with. Um, on my radio show, they had a weekly segment on my radio show talking uh, the horse racing side. I said, I'll do that because that's a game of skill, but I'm not going to promote, you know, old people coming in by the bus load and dropping their retirements and 401ks in your slot machines. One one palm hall at a time. I'm not doing that. <laughs> All right. And, and, and so to me, I, what they found after a while, though, is because it is a game of skill. Reading a racing form is exactly like doing uh, being a day trader or which in many respects, like what you do for a living. You're looking at trends. You're looking at um, other uh, other aspects uh, that go along with uh, um, angles and where and, and, and essentially you're you're investing in the outcome of of a process. Um, and with learned speculation. And that's what that's what this was. Well, they had to get rid of the horse racing because it did make them nearly the amount of money because people were winning it much more often than they were winning at the slots. If you go to any casino in Vegas, they will tell you their least profitable venture is sports handicapping. 
but they will all offer it. Why? Because it people will come there for like the final four in the Super Bowl and they'll like and, and, and they'll do pretty good, but they'll they'll lose so much money elsewhere in the casino on slots and games of chance that it's worth it, worth it to Vegas to put that up. And I think what you're going to see these states do is they're going to all figure out what Prairie Meadows and Iowa figured out. Horse racing wasn't a moneymaker like blind games of, of chance. And so they're going to use the sports handicapping to do one of two things. A, bring in a crowd that will then stick around and do the other stupid stuff that you can't win as often at. Or B, they're going to realize, you know, we can't pillage stupid people um, that are desperate for a quick fix on on a points spread the way we can on a, on a penny slot. So we're going to kick this to the curb. And I think what you're going to see happen, and you already see it now with like FanDuel has like their own sports books like New Jersey. You're going to see the big national daily fantasy companies. They're going to be you're going to you're going to go on an app on your phone anywhere in the country and you're going to get down on Buccaneers plus six against the Bears while you're putting in your daily fantasy Mm-hmm. Uh, lineup. That's where I think this is going to go, and 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 when they do that, then all the stigma will be gone, because most of the stigma was, you know, I had this conversation with, um, and you know, some of my business partners that helped launch me, great Christian guys, wealthy guys, and so I won't name the company, but a, a major sports handicapper, a name you know, and no, it's not Wayne Root. Wayne another Allen major, Root, another War. major sports handicapper was discussing with me the possibility this past summer of hosting a show with him um, for a major sports handicapping network. And when I took this idea to my partners, they were like, there's no way we can get involved in that. And I asked one of them, and I mean, uh, they won't have, I don't think they'll have a problem with me telling, having, having this, because we were having this internal debate amongst ourselves of, as Christian men about, hey, what's bad, what's not, right? You know, and so we're having this discussion amongst ourselves. And so I said to them, well, what's different than going down, than a, than a bunch of Iowa farmers going down to the commodities market and getting down on, on what they think soybean futures right. are? Why is this different? And, they, and there was a long pause on the call because, you know what, they just came from a generation where they never thought of it like that. And you know mm-hmm. why? Because the soybean and the pork producers are legitimate, recognized business entities. Your local bookie uh, in a boiler room downtown is not. The association, not the activity, but the association is what is shady, if you know what I'm saying. But now that you're watching the NBA and the NBA just did a second alliance with a sports book this week, Major League Baseball has one. Um, uh, You'll see the NHL with the Vegas team there. They will have one. The NFL will eventually do it, too. And the NFL is fully embraced fantasy football. If you go to NFL.com, that's their most read columns every day is their fantasy advice. All of those shady associations are all going to go away now. And this is going to be exactly like betting on an annuity or betting on or gambling on a a stock or anything of that nature. And you're going to eventually see a lot of sports news media is going to is going to is going to evolve from being, you know, what MSNBC and Fox and CNN are to what CNBC is, meaning they're going to they're they're going to still cover sports, but from the angle of how it how it how it impacts 
an economic model more so than just the results of the game. Game day prep represents everything that is special about college football. Show that you're a true fan by wearing your school's traditions. Get 20% off your order at gamedayprep.com with code BIGGER10. B-I-G-G-E-R-1-0. Game day prep for the true fan. Yep, and and the best person they could hire as a talking head for their um, for their show would be you. I think you would be perfect at it. Doesn't mean you're hitting seventy percent winners. It just means the analysis of it. L- let's talk after the show. I'll be your agent on that one um, because you, because you're exactly right. Um, you know, every single I I will likely next year, and this is one hundred percent within regulatory compliance. I will likely take some of my own positions on propane as I analyze that for a living every day. And I, I remember clearly back in um, the 1st of October, I had a client who wanted to go out and, and you know, lock in a price. And I'm like, hey, man, there, there, there is a convergence right now well above the 200-day moving average, the 40, the 20, the 10, and the 5. This looks like a time to actually be selling a put option, not buying a call option. Well, he wanted to buy a call option, so you know, customer's always right. And that was uh, thirty. That was basically forty percent of the value of the gas ago. And if he would have bought that put, he'd be ringing in the new year a lot happier. I'm comfortable doing that, but you, I don't, you're right. There is no difference between that and betting on sports. I see none. Activity-wise, there is not. Association-wise, there is. I mean, I, I am not a proponent, and, and we should have this conversation when there's more time because I, I do want us to talk about the bowl game too for Iowa fans that are tuning in. But I'm not a proponent of state-sanctioned gambling because I think what it is, it's a regressive tax sure. where state governments essentially are predators on their most vulnerable citizens to fund their government schemes. Okay? Well, same as um, it ever was. Lottery, casinos. Yes. yes. But, but – on the other hand, if I'm involved in a private enterprise and I am doing learned speculation on the outcome of a legitimate regulated event whose, whose only variants are, are, are acts of God beyond human uh, influence um, and, um, and chicanery, then it's not any different than deciding, you know what, I think this land, one of my best friends made his millions buying up a lot of land out by a place that would go on to become known as Jordan Creek Mall, okay? And he bought that land 25, 30 years ago. And why did he do it? Based on learned speculation of where he thought this land's value was going to be in the time to come. Why is that any different than when I sit there and study the injury report, the trend report, the matchups of of the college football playoffs? Why is that any different? And the answer is, if my associations I'm doing it with are legitimate it's not but if my associations i'm doing it with and for are not well then neither is it similar to you know yeah you can do if if you're doing stocks with lehman brothers that's not good or enron that's not good but if you're doing them with somebody who has been who is not a crook then it's then it's not it's about the association not the activity iowa against mississippi state you you watch the sec a lot i don't so this is going to be the dace preview 
for the Outback Bowl because I don't know anything about Mississippi State other than they have a quarterback that can run the ball. They have the number one scoring defense in the nation. They have a very good defensive line, which is somewhat um, anomalous for them and their station uh, in the college football pantheon. What do you think about this matchup for Iowa? What I think about what what is fascinating about this matchup is you know if you go back to when Michigan when I, when Michigan had Denard Robinson and Iowa had the game plan against him where they would really load up in the box and force him to beat them throwing the ball down the field and he never could and and even though Nick Fitzgerald is a totally different kind of athlete than Denard who's you know was five eleven six one and a four three forty guy and Fitzgerald is six four and two thirty and a four six five forty guy, even though athletically the 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 skill set is different, um, or the physical uh, traits are different, I should say, the framework is the same. Like Denard, Fitzgerald is a mediocre passer, uh, strong armed, never really developed. This offense at Mississippi State struggled at the beginning of the year for two reasons. One, uh, you know, Fitzgerald was coming off a terrible ankle injury in last year's Egg Bowl. And he was slow on the rehab. And secondly, uh, you know, Joe Moorhead came in there and tried to make him his Trace McSorley. And meaning he's a pass first quarterback who can run. And it really needed to be the other way around. And then after a while, I think Moorhead realized, you know what, I, I, I could sit here and do this tug of war with you, Nick. And we could take a very, you know, a very talented team and go six, six, or I can go ahead and, uh, and, and, Forget that I'm an inexperienced first-year head coach and make a, a, a mature move and play to the strengths of the players I actually have. And they did that down the stretch. Uh, and, you know, that's where they really became the team that a lot of people thought they were going to be where there were a lot of folks thought they could be the second-best team in the SEC West this year behind Alabama. So what will be fascinating is if I'm Phil Parker, I'm probably going to go back and take a look at some of those 2010, 2011 game plans that me and norm put together back in the day against denard robinson because you're going to face a similar style of quarterback even though physically they look much different but the way that they approach the game and 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 they would rather run to set up the pass rather than pass to set up a run um is the same um and then i what i'll be fascinated by is um there is no one in our conference this year you know, if you look at Michigan's defense, Chase Winovich was out for a couple of games. Um, or not, no, I'm sorry, Rashawn Gary was out for several games. And so him and Chase Winovich never really became, you know, Winovich had a great year, but Rashawn Gary didn't. So they never really became these bookend defensive linemen, All-Americans that they were heading into the year. So there's no one in our league this year that can bring to the table what Mississippi State can with Jeffrey Simmons and Montez Wet. Both of those guys could very well be first-round draft picks. I think Simmons certainly will be. Uh, I think Sweat is, is, has, a, has a chance to be as well. Um, and I think that'll be a unique challenge for Iowa's offensive line because if, if to me this game comes down to this question right here. How much can Iowa's linebackers hold up in the box against Nick Fitzgerald uh, running the football because he's coming downhill, Tim Tebow style. In fact, I think he broke all of Tebow's SEC uh, quarterback rushing records. 
So there's that question. And then on the opposite side is, if can Mississippi State get pressure with its front four? If it can, those are the two matchups. I don't, I don't know that Iowa has to win both of those matchups, but they can't lose them both. You know, and they could even get a stalemate in both or win one, lose one. But there's but those are the two matchups that are going to decide this game. And Iowa's got to win one of them or or get a, a tie in both of them, I think. Yeah, I, I was concerned before the season began how Iowa would hold up against the run on the inside of the defensive line. Uh, Wisconsin punished them. There were a few other times where that was the area. That, that's their soft underbelly. So that's a concern for sure. Um, Alaric Jackson, you know, he was, I don't know if it was a coaches or the media voted him second team all-conference tackle. I don't think he played at that level uh, at all. So that, that's a concern over there. Iowa's strongest inside. Yeah, it's probably, a, a, I don't know what the over-under is on this one, but it might be a game where you pick the under and, and you know, stack the box, try to take away that quarterback. Um, not the greatest thrower from the statistics that I'm looking at, but again, that statistics can uh, can paint a different picture. So, all right, that wrap- assumes those guys play. They, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just automatically assume Montez Sweat and Jeffrey Simmons are going to play in the environment we're in today. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming they're going to play, but I would not, I would not, and 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 it's, I think it's actually smart to not tell teams. To make them game plan as if those guys are in there, because even if they're, that's just one series with the, with with the younger players, that that at least gives that you a, a series of, of an advantage, if not longer, in a game. And so, I'm assuming that those guys are going to play, but I I wouldn't think it's an automatic with both of them looking to go to the draft. That'll do it for this installment of the HN podcast. For Steve, I'm John. We'll talk to you soon.